We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Today, making a return. It's been a while. My guy, A-double-L-E-N. Is that a Croatia jersey? Oh, no. It's actually old school Stipe Miocic shirt back in like 2014 when he was represented by Bad Boy. Him and Chris Weidman had like the same sponsor. Yo, that's pretty fire. It kind of looked like the top of that over there, that envelope. Yeah, they got the little bit of the garb. I don't know if you see it. Yeah, 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 dude. That's what I saw, and I thought that you had it on. Okay, I like it. So we... Close enough. This one, Steve they, they had no, yeah, no Reebok. This is like pre-Reebok, and yeah, I feel like wearing this right now because uh, for some reason people don't understand that Stipe uh, is working an essential job and he currently cannot fight, and people better deal with it. Yeah, dude, that's crazy, bro. What do you think of? Uh, how'd you feel about 249, man? I want to jump into that. We're gonna talk some NFL in a little bit. Uh, we haven't really touched on the schedule much. Some of the releases, both of us have really passionate feelings about the schedule, but. 249, we finally got some sports back, right? And no more watching the NBA Finals from 2013. Though, you know, the Heat and the Spurs put on a show. But how'd you feel about getting some live 
sports back. And I know for us two in particular, mm -hmm. we love the UFC. So we were probably Fair. tuning in anyway. Mm -hmm. Prelims are kind of up, but then once Pettis and Cerrone started, I, everyone knew that was going to be kind of a barber. And I was weird because I thought Pettis looked a little thicker than usual. But given the times, I was like, look, if these guys, they're going to miss weight or if they're not as ripped, how can you blame them? Because these guys, half their gyms are not even open. I don't know how they're cutting weight. I was like, as long as they're there and they're putting on exciting fights, that's it. Let's just let's watch it. And yeah, they really set the bar high. And then, oh my God, um, Calvin Cater. Yo. Calvin Cater is scary. <laughs> I want to see him in like, I guess, the top five. And this, that might have been one of the most vicious knocks I've seen like the past five years. Oh my Lord. Do someone like Stevens too. Masato Tanaka roaring elbow, brother, from ECW. Just Dude, he, just the, the aftermath of it. You just see no blood gushing. And poor Jeremy Stevens, he's, he's been to sports since uh, 2006, 7. He was like back in the Spike TV days. So I think they set the bar for what was you know, the, the three most anticipated fights. And I thought all three of those fights delivered in pretty devastating fashion. Dude. I loved Cater after the fact, too, where he was like, yo, man, I wasn't happy that he missed weight, right? Stevens missed weight. And for those that might not know, because, you know, Saturday is going to be yet another card. So that's three card in eight days for the UFC. And missing weight is, how do you feel about it? Do you think it's an advantage for the fighter? Oh, yeah, it's definitely an advantage, but. I think it turns these times once again. I still understand that, like, if you're an elite fighter, I don't know how you're fighting during these times. I understand mm -hmm. everyone's got to get paid, but it's just the fact that a lot of these gyms aren't open. You're not getting the same amount of sparring and just wrestling and, you know, all the essentials and who knows what's like weight cutting. So these guys just got to get their money. So that's why I don't really blame anyone if they're missing it. You know, then again, you know, four and a half pounds is pretty egregious. So that's what I'm saying. Steve, like yeah. four and a half is a lot, bro. Yeah. Like something, but then again, like Steve, Steve is such a veteran of the sport. So I think it just might've been something botched. And, and what's kind of weird is that him and Dominic Cruz, they train out of line. So they mm -hmm. both had their guys there. So I don't know. It might, it must have been botched, but. I thought Cater's post fight. It was just I just gave me a lot of Boston vibes. Like you just seemed very nonchalant. He was just cursing every five words. Like you just remind me of like some dude from Boston. You know, you obviously is from Boston. It's just he kind of I thought he kind of raised his stock the most and uh, just what he did. He's in the featherweight division. Because a lot of people think if that fight was a beat when five rounds, he would have won it. Well, he was starting to dominate that fight. It looked mm -hmm. like Zabit tired out. That was uh, a fight that I know Cater wants to run back and have it be a, a main event. Five-rounder. Dude, I remember Cater was in Boston when I went to – when Stipe fought Nagano the first time. Well, the only time them two fought. Yeah. Cater was on that card. He had a banger of a fight with Shane Burgos. And, dude, Cater, I know Joe Rogan for a while has been like, yo, he's the dark horse of that 145 division, which is absolutely loaded. Yeah. And – that was a really fun fight. Another, another fight, which I got to see that guy in person, Naganu. Was that even a fight? Like, what do we make of Francis, bro? Just tattooing people left and right. So all four of his wins now have been under 90 seconds, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Blades, Velasquez. Velasquez, JDS, just yeah. all of them just right. night, night. And that just, But this one wasn't even like competitive. It was just... He rushed in, 
hit it like a crazy combination. That was it. Like, Jardine Hold on, was... he didn't hit a combination, bro. He like missed the first four attempts. Or just a flurry. It wasn't was even it. a combination. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't, if, at this point, like if he's charging at you, you either just hold on to him for dear life, just try to grapple or just run. Just do not stand in front of him because you're just, you're going to get punished. That's it. There's no way you're taking the, the beating that he's going to deliver you. If he's throwing hands, just duck, just get out of there. You're not, you, you're, you don't want to fight in the phone booth with this guy. You're not, I don't care how rock solid your chin is, he will break. Shit, he kind of reminds me of Tyson highlights where Tyson used to throw punches that would like graze you and kind of would alter mm. your whole fight. And that's what it seemed. I mean, look, he didn't, he didn't graze him on that one that knocked him down, but man, he, Catches that leg kick, doesn't even checks, and is like, yo, I'm just going to tee off. And like you said, bro, if one connects, it's a wrap for you. And also, be careful what you wish for because Rosenstruck asked for that fight. Good. And, and he's been probably trained since January because that fight was supposed to be in late March in Ohio. Yep. So that training camp must have been super – a lot of these guys, you know, we'll talk about Tony Ferguson, but a good amount of these guys on the card, they've been training for a long time, man. It's just like you don't know when they've peaked and whatnot. So – for him to just come in there and just take care of business so quickly, it's it's pretty funny. And I love that DC afterwards just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to fight this guy. And DC's like, I don't think I want any part of that. Who could blame him? Yeah, I uh, I think DC's reactions were not only to the knockout, but it definitely crossed his mind that like, hey man, if I hang on, uh, I'm gonna have to maybe fight this dude, and I'm not trying to do all that. DC coach of the year, man, unintentional coach of the year, man. So, yo, how'd you, before we get to the, 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 the two title fights, I really liked it with no crowd. And I think not only did you get to hear the thuds and the banging in the, in the fighters, but getting to hear the corner also, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would. And do you think that that's something that other sports like the NHL, the NBA can maybe be able to pull off also? I don't know about the comparison just because you know, the sports are more different and I guess complex, but I do think it did benefit. Yeah, I just, I think do, they do need to push the commentating booth a little bit back because I, it's not unfair, but it's just the fact that Carlos Sparza and Greg Hardy kind of there, they uh, gave Cormier credit for helping them win. And, you know, it's not unfair because it's like they're using it to their advantage, but I do think maybe they could switch it up a little bit, but. I don't think, if anything, I think it benefit just because we have to hear. Because as you know, MMA fans, you know, some of them they don't like jujitsu. They're still very much stand bang bro, you know, all that nonsense. You know, doing the Ric Flair chance, it can get very tiresome, you know, in that audience. So uh, I do think it did benefit a lot. Uh, I'm just I don't know how compared to NHL or NBA though, because things uh, would be so different. I do think in the main event more than the co-main. And I know I'm jumping out of order. I think the no crowd really helped Gaethje because Gaethje is a guy who really feeds off the energy of the crowd. And there were times where he had Tony doing the, the chicken dance, bro. Mm-hmm. And I loved, yo, another thing that I really loved, and I know we would probably get it. They always show replays of the corner talking to the fighters, even when they're in big arenas. But I loved Trevor Whitman, who... He's Nama Yunus's coach too, isn't he? Yeah, he is. So, yo, two big losing streaks, uh, two big winning streaks being halted by Trevor Whitman, right? Joanna to, to Rose. 
and then Gaethje been a sport a long time. Yeah, and then uh, to- uh, Tony Ferguson losing to Gaethje, but I loved Trevor Whitman being like, "Hey, hey, chill, don't don't get too wild. You lose fights when you get too wild." And Gaethje just being like, "Yeah, I got. I'm having too much fun. Like, control." And dude, that's a scary Gaethje man who I've been saying for the longest time to to boss Eric and some of the guys that you want to talk about a dark horse in that division. I felt like Gaethje wasn't getting enough respect going into that. Cause you know, I do think some people were soured on some of the losses that he had, but Eddie Alvarez, former champion, Poirier champion interim, but regardless of champion. You're talking about the, talking about the leader of the league. Yeah. You're talking, he's not losing to jobbers. He's uh, losing to, uh. to, to good guys. And mm-hmm. Gaethje really proved it. Now, how did you feel about that performance? Because then I got a follow-up about Tony. I've just tried to help compose it was because in all the interviews leading up to it, he was just talking about, oh, if this fight goes to fourth, fifth round, you know, I'm going to be pretty much wiped out. I don't think I could compete that long. And I was kind of like, yeah, maybe, because think about how long he's been training for this fight, maybe four or five weeks while Tony's been in training camp since November. Who would have thought it would have benefited Gaethje, Boyd, and Ferguson? You know, salute to Trevor Whitman, though, because at the end of that second round, you could just tell that Gaethje was just throwing so many power shots. Like, he was putting all his power into it, and then he got clipped by the uppercut, and Yo, Whitman how, just made fantastic adjustments. How perfect was that uppercut? Wasn't it like... Oof. Like Clean. if you were if you were directing a movie, bro, and you were like, "Yo, this is how I wanted to look." That looked like picture perfect. Just oof. that's one of my favorite just strikes in general. But when I see a clean uppercut land, like when Rubble Johnson did the Glover to share on mm. McGregor DS card. When a clean uppercut lands, oh, it's one of the most beautiful things. Gaethje just went out, and uh, I do think you made a great point before that Gaethje does feed to Kroger. Because you remember his first fight in the UFC was Michael against Michael Johnson. Yep. And that was just beyond a barroom brawl. Like that was just, that was a straight parking lot, street fighting, Jorge Masvidal, Miami Yard. Like it was just the craziest <laughs> thing. And the whole crowd, because they were fighting, I think at the Palms and that's a pretty small arena. So that crowd just went crazy. You could just tell Gaethje was feeding off it. But at the same time, it's like, if he was finding someone more skilled than Michael Johnson, he probably would have got knocked out that night. That he won, but I just think now he's really evolved from being this guy who I, I don't want to call him a brawler, but he's definitely someone that's just too fearless for his own good. Now he's just way more composed. And from round three to five, it was one of the best performances I ever seen. The first two rounds, he was a little shaky, but he really took control and it just really, whether it was just you know, hitting with left hooks or then you know, straight rights, he was just constantly his timing was top notch. And uh, I was a little surprised that there wasn't much grappling changes, you know, but it's the person kind of was burned out at that point but yeah Gaethje's a problem and now that he's much more composed and he realizes okay I don't need to I don't need to go up you know, above and beyond for these bonuses now I can actually be a real champion for him and now all things are going through him fighting very small time Tony I feel for Tony man twice fighting for the interim on this big winning streak and I thought he was very honest in defeat I don't take it as him making excuses for losing, but he did say that, like, hey, man, we've been preparing for Habib since November. Um, grappler, not the same striker that Gaethje is, which Gaethje's also an all-American wrestler, which you would never expect. I think, I think he's landed zero takedowns in the UFC. <laughs> I love to watch all his fights to see that, but I don't know if he even attempted one. Like yo, I'm I'm almost. Uh, I remember listening to um, 
an interview might have been on the countdown and they showed a clip from a podcast. It might have been Rogan. I could be mistaken or Brett Akamoto from ESPN. But they said that he hasn't landed a takedown in the UFC and he's an All-American wrestler. But you would never expect that, which is why I think he's such a wild card. Because, dude, for you to be a wrestler or like say you were like a jiu-jitsu black belt and then you like never submitted people because they didn't want to go to the ground with you and you just like had all these knockouts – like, that's crazy. Like, if you were to tell people to watch Gaethje and you told them, like, yo, he's an all-American wrestler, they'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? This guy has no, like, there's no highlights of him, you know, ground and pile like Habib does. We should also mention he has some of the most vicious leg kicks in oh, the yeah. sport. Like, it's very Jose Aldo. Like, he just chomps down. I was like, I think by, like, the fourth round, Tony couldn't even move his left leg. So bad he tore it up. I know we jumped around a little bit, but – what do you think happens from here before we go to the co-main? And that's what I mean by jumping around. But what do you think happens for here? Because can I give you some wrestling fantasy booking? Okay. So all the reports were heavily rumored, Gaethje, Connor, and then we would get Habib and Tony. Now, why don't we just flip-flop? Because uh, I'm not sure if Connor is going to take that kind of matchup. I think it's all in Connor's corporate much. So you don't you don't think Connor and and Tony would be a big fight, bro? No, it's a big fight. It's just they're under the same management team. That's one and two. First of all, I think Tony's gonna be out for a long time, and too, you yeah. just you don't know if Connor like Connor. Look, he he operates as his own businessman. Like he does what he wants. I'm not sure if he wants to fight in front of uh, empty arena because he's somebody that really feeds off the crowd, and I think he wants those live gate numbers. Like, I'm not sure if him and the UFC could come to terms. Plus, there's also Nate Diaz, Lume, maybe Masvidal. Like, he has options. And you know, I also think Tony really should take at least six months off just reassess because if he jumps in too quick, he's going to get pissed up again. So, you know, maybe in the future, but ah, it's, who it's so hard to predict what Connors. He, he could just sit out and wait for Khabib Gaethje and they'll give it to him at this point because he kind of runs the show. Habib Gaethje is definitely the fight to make. That's that's a given. Now you just gotta wait until Habib's able to come and travel and and do a or Ramadan camp. as well. Yeah, Ramadan as well. Um, but yeah, man, I, I was thinking they just flip flop, but you did bring up a good point because Connor won't want to fight in front of an empty arena. Well, I should mention maybe Poirier is also out there. That's an guy, Connor. Well, that's what happened a, the other yeah. day. There was so much shit talking between like the top eight 155ers. Yeah, even pulled Nate out. Nate, you know, finally gave up. Uh, he was probably bike riding somewhere. He's like, oh, I got to get on Twitter right now. Just let me say I got to show him who that he is. All right, yo, last yeah. thing on, on, on UFC Fallout from uh, 249, the co-main. So Hudo beats Cruz. I know you're a Dominic Cruz guy. I felt like it's one of those scenarios where that stoppage – I know he takes like 10 to 12 unanswered shots, but he's trying to get up, Allen. And I also think it's one of those things where you don't call pass interference on the last play of the game when it's a Hail Mary. You just never do. Mm-hmm. And if that's in the second round with three minutes to go, yeah, you probably stop it. But they already got the warning when they, when they hit the sticks and Cruz is making his way up. I felt like that stoppage he should have let it go because Cruz was on his way up. I understand he's taking the shots and he's not defending himself, but he's making a way up. And I really thought Cruz's 
description of that was how I felt as well. Yeah, I didn't like the stoppage at all, even though it was clear that Cejudo was landing, you know, clean shots. But as you see, Cruz kept moving. Like, it wasn't – there wasn't any point where he was unconscious or just, you know, not fighting back. Because those are two things you have to look at in that type of situation when it's prime time. Is he unconscious? Is he not intelligently defending? Okay, maybe he wasn't necessarily defending that well, but he was still moving, which is why it was so frustrating. And someone as you – know, as a veteran like Dominic Cruz, someone's never been knocked out, someone that – always had a withstand punishment. He went five rounds with Garbrandt when Garbrandt was piecing him up. Like he easily could have just totally quit in that one or you know, eventually just said, all right, I'll lift the fight that day. But he took he took that beating and gave a great press conference afterwards. For the, this, I think he had more off because I thought he was winning that second round. I thought he responded nicely. It does a good old completely outclassed him in the first round. But second round was definitely more competitive. And it's kind of unfortunate now that because you know, those are really cool styles matchups. The fact that we get to see more of it is pretty disappointing. But I don't want it to take away from Segudo's man. That knee was fantastic, and it was crazy how much he's evolved as a striker. Especially considering when he first came to the sport, he was just purely a wrestler. Now, I think I forget maybe it was Wilson Hayes where he knocked him out. Maybe it was like four or five years ago. But now he's just such a complete fighter. Like it's times where he looks like Leo Machida out there. And so I wanted the bad stoppage to take away from Sahu's performance, but I just think in that scenario, you got to let it go. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Uh, hats off to Sahudo too. Retires after the fight. Apparently, it's been rumored. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Money grab? You think he's trying to get a better paycheck? Rumor has it he wants two million, which is pretty absurd. There's no way he was, <laughs> there's no way a 135 pounder is getting, unless they make Connor more like unless they're really elevated in sport. He's just someone that doesn't move the needle that much. I hate using that term, but that's a term that I guess fits the narrative or you know, fits what you know, he tries to be. That's why you kind of see him try to do these gimmicks over the past few years. He's trying to get paid, but I do think it is, but I don't think the UFC is going to comply with his demands. On the, oh my God. Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter just now. Here we go. The Miriam PD has an arrest warrant issued for Giants quarterback DeAndre Baker and Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar for four counts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. Incident occurred May 13th. <laughs> the floor is yours. Oh, pray for me. Oh, my we didn't, God. We haven't even talked about their old Thomas thing, man. That's another, like. Oh, man. Folks, we'll be right back. What a, You know what I was reading today? Someone from uh, the Daily News. Um, or no, uh, New York Times. I'm sorry. USA Today. Okay. Said the Giants are going to have the number one pick. Two and 14 next year is what they're going. I was like, ah, I think they could get the four wins. And already this shitstorm happens. Uh, I think the Jaguars are worse. Oh, boy. Oh, so Man, much. Talk a, about throwing a curveball on this episode. What a fucking a, idiot, yo. I'm that's sorry. That's a Gettleman first-round pick. A first-round pick that they traded back into the first round to get. Sucked last year for about 75% of the season was literally toast and then he does this oh man the giants and guns these fucking morons plaques i was i was tweeting today about plaques um 
there was like a hot take thing. What's like your biggest uh, hot take in sports history? And I was like, Eli has a third ring if Plax doesn't shoot himself. And of course, you tweeted out that Eli's not a Hall of Famer. You've already hurt my feelings with Eli, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. I just... <sighs> I, I, what Man. do I say? Do I say thoughts? Thoughts on the arrest, Alan? Or, or super uh, arrest? Um, I just, how do you pull a John Jones in this? Well, this is even worse than John Jones when you think about it. Is how do you get arrested during this time? I don't know. Because the whole Earl Thomas thing, this, that's a whole, that blew my mind. But this is somehow even worse. Man, Quentin Dunbar. First of all, I didn't know Quentin Dunbar went to the Seahawks. Because he was on the Redskins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to say nice <laughs> nice signing for the Seahawks, but he might not be playing next year. Oh, man, Seattle. That's, a, that's another team. They're just – every offseason, it's like, yeah, it's a bad offseason, but they'll still win 11 games somehow. Yeah, because they got Russell Wilson, who – oh, what about that? What about that? Russell oh, this, Wilson the trade. to trade for the number one pick? Bro, Russ, come, come, my friend. Come to New York, right? Got a big market for Sierra, right? I'm sure there's a lot of record labels out here or whatnot, right? Come over You're here. Right. We- Turn your back on Danny Dimes, man. Listen, for Russell Wilson, who was my third <laughs> best quarterback of the 2000s, yeah, oh, without true. question. Without <laughs> question. True. The fact and he's that, in his prime. The fact that Seattle even entertained the idea justifies why this guy deserves to be the number three quarterback on my list because he's underappreciated with that franchise. Like, how's that possible, bro? Like, I wonder what Seattle, even though, look, they're one of the most, you know, they're one of the most well-respected franchises out there. I wonder, like, if they didn't hit on guys like Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, uh, Cliff Averill, and Michael Ben, like, if they didn't hit on those moves, like, where would they be? Like, where would it be if they started Matt Flynn and Russell? Like, they had a lot of things fall into place for them to, you know, build their, uh, I'm not going to say dynasty, but, you know, establish themselves as one of the true NFC powerhouses. Because, I don't know, it's just, they, don't, they haven't drafted particularly well over the past four years. A lot of their first-round picks just kind of spiral, you know, out of the league, or they're just not doing much. And, you know, this is just an example. I just, I don't understand why don't they value Russ the way he should be valued. But anyway, we don't have an MHL or we'll yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. Is... <laughs> my bad, yo. I got fucking rattled with, with the guy that's supposed Breaking to be the starting news. the starting corner opposite of Bradbury next year. You're expecting a second a second fucking year. I can't even speak. Oh my god. It's a guy that you're banking on, bro. It's a first round pick for once. The Giants haven't re-signed the first round pick in ages. It's just not like oh David Wilson's out the uh, out the league. Uh, Hakeem Nicks didn't re-up uh, Prince of Mukamara didn't re-up I know I'm going super throwback Justin Pugh didn't re-up I don't even know who they drafted in 2014 Oh, Odell's not with the team anymore Jesus Christ nice. Like Eric Flowers is like Yo, this is not how you build your team Your team is supposed to Your first round picks are supposed to be the core of your team Those guys need to be 10 plus year guys And I understand that the NFL A lot of times these players fizzle out Or they get hurt And I get that but, dude, when you're, like, whiffing left and right on first-round picks, it's a fucking nightmare. It's a nightmare. That's why that's they're – That's when your season ends in the late October. I haven't – yeah, I haven't watched meaningful November football in, in years. 2016? Like 2016, but then prior to that, it was, like, 2011? 2012? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. – and it's shit like this, man. Huh. All right, let's – we rarely get breaking news, so but this is not the good breaking news. 
yeah, yeah. I thought it was gonna be like some big trade. Like I thought maybe Miles Garrett went to Seattle or something. Yeah, no. Nope. Well, it had to do with Seattle. It's one of my fucking legend of <laughs> players. But all right, man. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL schedule. They came out last week. Um, we didn't really get to to talk much about it, but what are just your your general thoughts on the schedule as a whole? Like, how do you feel about the schedule release, and what is it? Some of the things that you look for. I think they're trying to elevate Monday night a little bit. Like the fact that they put Chiefs or Ravens is showing clear signs. Like, okay, we can't have, because there was a time last year, like remember every week we're like, oh my God, the Monday night game is not really watchable this week. It was like an eight week stretch. It was just like, this game is not appealing at all. So now I think they're putting more emphasis on, okay, let's make Monday night football better. So, you know, that's an encouraging sign. Um, I don't know, because with the schedule, it's just, we kind of know what the opponents are. I think it's more of just seeing where the placement is. I, I do think the Thanksgiving slate's a lot better uh, than it was in previous years. Like, I love the fact that Pittsburgh and Baltimore is on uh, Thanksgiving. If As long as Big Ben's healthy, I think that's going to be a barn burner. Like, you got to have one of those great rivalries um, Thanksgiving night. Like, I know they did Falcon Saints, which I, I will always defend that rivalry. I think it's one of the best in the sport. But obviously, given Atlanta's decline, it's not hasn't been as good as it should have been. So either them or San Francisco, I feel, had to be in that slot. And the fact that they're giving us Pittsburgh Baltimore is going to be fantastic. So that was a big highlight for me. And you know, seeing the Bucks some prime times, it was to be expected, but it's still kind of you know crazy to see, given that Tampa Bay, they haven't been relevant in 10 years. But look, they deserve to be uh, on television as much as possible because they're fascinating. Like, we want to see what happens. I was a little surprised that uh, Chargers – I pretty much look at you know, what's going to be nationally televised because that's all we really look at right now. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. We're currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. They're all open 24 hours a day and all online. BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. You know, put out a video on the Instagram, Instagram.com slash Veterans Minimum and Instagram.com slash The Lamb Show. Talking about value, kind of gave you guys Francis Nagano minus 125 to finish the fight via TKO and knockout. And if you bet that, congrats, winner, winner. And also my boys over at Full Slate Pod, I told them that I loved Cater and Stevens at plus 190, all those odds. You could have put those on these bet online props. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to bet online, man, helping us out. And, of course, I'm really looking forward to this one for many, many reasons. Guys, if you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, who isn't? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the very first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level, an elite level, some would say. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. No dick, no hope, as you guys know. 
that is one of the models of life for you guys that are listening. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't got to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost. And once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Gotta love discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 for the shipping. And again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Big shout-outs to the members of the Patreon. Daniel Gibson, Corey Johnson Hoops, Christopher Velasquez, Ryan Pisner, Derek Pleates, and Nick Chavez. Your contributions to the show are not going unnoticed. I want every single one of you, when you're listening to this episode, to slide into my DMs. Hopefully, you're doing it ankle first. I'm going to send you guys something. The members of the Patreon that I just mentioned their name, I'm going to send you something for the continued support for the show on a different level from everyone else. And I know I've slacked off on some of these reads and whatnot. Just got a lot of shit going on, but it doesn't mean that I should ignore the OGs and the real legends out there. So... If you heard your name in this read, congrats and hit me up. I need to recover from this news with DeAndre Baker. I'm looking at the I pulled up the Giants depth chart right now. It is not. A oh, good you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. It is not a go good look one for quarterback. Oh boy! All right, um, go look at the one from 2011, maybe. So, my thing, and you kind of touched on it. I always look. Because you know what your schedule is going to be. You know mm-hmm. that you're playing either, you know, you're playing the AFC West, right? You know that. But you don't know when you're playing them. And I always go back to this, I believe it was the 2013 Jets. We were kind of talking about it off air. Jets 2013. They started off the season, like their first eight games were ridiculous. They had like, they played Rivers, Peyton, Breeze, Stafford, uh, Brady twice, I think it was. Like, they were playing the, all these, like, really good quarterbacks. And they had Geno Smith at the time. And I just remember telling them, like, yo, you're going to be done by, at best, you got to hope that they go two and six in that stretch. And before you know it, you're They were semi-competitive, I think, right? I'm trying to remember that year, 2013. Because I think Verse got fired in 14. Um, they were at 13 Gino, I promised. They're like, oh, he might be the future. Was it Was it 2014? I don't think it was 2014. Rex got, Rex, Rex got fired 14 because I remember going to 15. That's when Atlanta was really interested in him. They were looking at him in top bowls. I remember in 2015, Rex was like the hot coach on the market. Okay, it was, it was that season. All right, I pulled it up right now. 2014. They open up against the Oakland Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. And they win that game. They go 1-0. And then they play Green Bay, Chicago, when Cutler was still on the team. And you play Stafford. I know I said Hall of Famers. Take that with a grain of salt. But you play Phillip Rivers, Stafford, play Rodgers. You play Brady, Peyton, and Phillip Rivers. And before you know it, you're on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8-game losing streak. And it's like your season's over because you knew they were playing that murderer's row of, of quarterbacks. And, yeah. and you don't have the personnel to compete offensively in those games. Like you got to put up at least 24, 27 points. So 
I always look at when you play certain teams because I think if yo, you're one in five, bro, like your season's over. Like, sure, do teams go on runs like the Colts did when they won was it ten in a row? Yeah, it happens, but more times than not, that's a hard hole to climb out of. And that's South. That's that's something that I always look for. I look at when you play certain teams, and then from there I like to have fun with it. Like, you know, um some of the things that jumped out for me is like week one in particular, you get uh Brady Breeze, you get Watson Mahomes to start the season off. I'm curious to see what the the Texans are gonna look like with some of that turnover. Yeah. That's crazy. The Texans after that disaster of a playoff game, they gotta go back to Kansas City. Yeah. But then, you know, week three you have uh Packers Saints. Then you got that Monday night, which is the the primetime games, right? So Sunday night football, which has become the granddaddy of them all. Like that's the marquee spot you really want. Oh yeah. You got Packers at Saints. The next day you got Chiefs at Ravens, right? Which, you know, that's gonna probably have home field advantage ramifications for, for both both of those games. Um, you mentioned the Thanksgiving, the night Ravens at Pittsburgh, you get uh San Francisco at new England week seven, you get chiefs at Buccaneers week 12, you get the battle of number one versus number two. As far as the quarterbacks go, you get Bengals at the dolphins of a combined five wins for both teams, probably, but that was a game in week 16 last year. They were hyping up as the loser bowl. But. Yeah, yeah. And then, yo, even week 15, man, you get Chiefs at Saints, that Chiefs offense in the Superdome. What's the over They're going to be 100? Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I'm betting the over in that game. That's for damn sure. Dude, Tyreek Hill is going to go for like 225. Oh. Given that Tyre- dull. Oh, man. Oh, man. So – Another thing, Tampa Bay got a lot of primetime games, of course, with Brady going there. Um, Happy birthday to uh, 24-7 champion Rob Gronkowski as well. Got to give that birthday shout out. Good old Gronk. Um, He's got to put on weight. Are you you into revenge games? I got some revenge games on the menu for you. Doesn't love revenge games. Giants at Cowboys, the Jason Garrett Bowl. (laughs) Not on the docket. But okay. Uh, we got Packers at the 49ers. That's a Thursday night football game, week nine. Oh, man. How many times is Aaron Rodgers going to lose to the 49ers? <laughs> I want, I, what's his career record against them? Like, it doesn't even matter the quarterback is. They just lose. They almost lost um, to when C.J. Berthard was the QB. On Monday, the Monday night. night game? They Monday almost night lost game. that one. Bro, that's so true. Dude, that's you can't so play against true. the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers versus San Fran. 49ers. I'm going to say it's like two and seven. Oh, so he's, he's, he was four and five going into the title game. Wow, so he's okay. four and six. That's a but lot man, than I, expected. I would have probably guessed two and like eight. <laughs> yeah. Just felt that they've way. All, they've all been high profile. But I think it's the end of the Harbaugh era and then whatever, Jim Thomasula, Chip Kelly, I guess maybe he had a few wins in there. Chiefs at Ravens week three. We mentioned that. Um, we mentioned Monday Night Football. Oh, Odell is playing the Giants week 15. Might be a combined eight wins for those two teams. I'm sure he'll be fired. I have no up. idea what to make. 
make <laughs> we don't know what to make of the Browns. Yeah. But um how is uh what jumps out I, to you for your Falcons? How's their know, schedule? It's, it's pretty difficult to start off with Seattle, then Dallas. And I know they got to play Green Bay week four Monday night. They got two – I don't know if you even could count Thursday night primetime because everyone gets it, but their only other game is against Green Bay on Monday night uh, in Lambeau. At least they play there in October compared to December. I always bring it up, but they played in December 2014, and, like, Julio had, like, 260 yards. Like, he just went berserk in that game. It was – like, Sam Shields had no business covering him. They still lost, but it was, like, 44-38. But at least it's October rather than December, so that works a little bit. But I think I played the AFC West. I think they got to play the Chargers and the Chiefs in December, which is rough because the Chargers are usually coming on December and the Chiefs are Chiefs. So, yeah, I think their schedule just reeks six and ten. So I don't know. Are you ready to make an investment in the first coach fired next year? Uh, yeah, I think Matt Patricia's a good candidate, although Adam Gase, you can't rule out. Okay, have you seen the September for the Houston Texans? Oh, um, they're gonna they're gonna fire head coach and GM. <laughs> okay, so you, they you open up. GM. They open up against Kansas City, then they come home to play the Ravens, then they go to Pittsburgh, and oh. then home against Minnesota. Yeah, but let's not forget, though, they play in the AFC South. Like, didn't they start 0-3 a couple years ago? Like, I remember they lost to Giants early yeah, in the and year, then and then they straight, won like yeah. nine. So, I'm not really – AFC South, man, just – if you have seven wins in December, you got a chance to do anything. That's the rule. But so, um, think about it. You're, you're what, 1-3. You've traded DeAndre Hopkins. Watson probably is sacked already 22 times. That can't be good, man. I love Randall it. Cobb, 27 million. He has like six catches. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Don't worry, guys. We got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. But you know who we brought in? Randall Cobb. There which didn't get you excited in this prime that you brought him in, let alone fucking we get rid of D-Hop. Will Fuller and Brand Cooks on the sidelines trying to get their hammies worked out. Like, can he still get trades to the Eagles because Howie Rosen pull off another deal? Like, you just know it's going to happen. Man. That I'm Houston serious. receiving corps is just a complete, just diabolical mess. Like, you have Cobb, Fuller, Cooks, and Stills. Like, you have four players that relatively do the same thing. I think the NFC West is going to be really interesting. Oh, that's the division right there. That's yeah. just chaos. Though I do, I would not surprise you if the Rams tailed off a little bit. I don't like their offense right now. Yeah, you know, the NFC West is playing the AFC East. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, the team that I'm kind of honing in on as like my uh, kind of the team that might make the playoffs, maybe go eight and eight is uh, Arizona. But what's scaring me is that there's a lot of Arizona love in the betting markets. You know, Kyler Murray is now the sixth favorite to win MVP. Uh, I texted Impy Allen about six weeks ago, even before they got D-Hop. And I was like, yo, you know who might be interesting to bet on? If you want to gamble a little bit, he was like 55 to one, Kyler Murray. I was like, yo, second-year QB, showed flashes last year, rookie of the year, but also he played really well towards the tail end. Felt like he understood the game of the, uh, you know, the, at the next level. Then they get D-Hop, he goes to 35-1, to one, and now he's 16-1. to one. 
now I feel like it's a dumb bet to take them. Like there's something in sports betting where the number sometimes is worth the shot on the player. But then when like Baker Mayfield last year, right? Baker Mayfield was like, I think the fifth favorite to win MVP because they got Odell and they got all these offensive bases. And then you looked also like the Browns were the fourth favorite in the AFC. It was the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Browns. They're like, yeah, hold on, hold on, bro. Hold on. First of all, you're like the third best team in your division if Ben didn't get hurt. And I think they still had a better record than than Cleveland did, right? So I'm worried about Kyler Murray now. Like now there's no way I'm betting him to win MVP. Like if you didn't get him at 50 to 1, there's no way you should bet on him now. But I like the Cardinals, man. I like the Cardinals. You know, Simmons, I think, is going to really change that defense. I think that there's something, if you look at the last four MVPs in the NFL, three of them, I would, let's just say we gave it to Wentz, right? Because before Wentz got hurt in his second year, he was minus 500 going into that Rams game, which basically meant $500 to 100, essentially was the shoe-in, and then he gets hurt. Second-year quarterback, Mahomes, second-year quarterback, Lamar Jackson, second-year quarterback. So I was just going with the vibes of Kyler Murray, but... I know I kind of went on a rant there. Talk to me a little bit about the NFC West because you seem to like perk up when, when I mentioned it. Oh, it's the most exciting division. You have so much firepower there. San Fran with their defense and, you know, Shan still, you know, he's the mastermind behind everything. And then Seattle, we know it's there's no such thing as like a normal Seahawks game. Every game will go down to the fourth quarter and some chaos will happen. And then the way the Crowns are building the roster, I think Cliff Kingsbury is legit. I really love watching the play calling every weekend they didn't have a lot to work with but he just they were competitive for the most part i just think their offensive line is kind of a concern which is why i would definitely hold up on the murray uh murray mvp bets whatever you want to do because i think a big issue with him is that he took a lot of sacks and he's someone that holds on to the ball way too long for my liking and you hope a guy like hopkins and you know that Christian Kirk takes another step and, you know, Larry Fitz still being a security blanket and then Ken and Drake having a big role in the offense. Like he obviously has weapons and everything, but it's still, he's still kind of raw. Like I, I would be kind of cautious. Like if you're going to take, I would look at maybe Dak Prescott, want to take a chance on MVP. That's kind of not one of the favorites. I look at Dak, but yeah, no, Arizona's very exciting. Just in the trenches, I would still be a little bit concerned. And in that division with, you know, I'm not crazy about the Rams, but if the Rams have a strength, it's on the defensive line. So it's mm-hmm. that, and then what San Fran's doing, it's Arizona, there's going to be still some growing pains. I'm not sure about what, how they are defensively, but no, I just think with the MC West, every game's going to be crazy because there's just so much star time there. Like you look at the elite, amount of elite players, like you could put maybe 30, 35 players there because there's just so much there between Arnold and. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, then Arizona with Hopkins, wow, I forgot about Pearson, Ramsey. and Jesus. Chandler, Chandler Jones, and then Seattle, you have Russ and Wagner, and you know, Tyler Lockett's a damn stud, and then San Fran with Bosa, and uh, who am I going to say? You know, Sherman's still playing at a really high level, and Fred Warner's coming out. It's just there's so much going on there. And now Trent Williams comes to this division, and he's I'm excited to see him. So I just think the NFC West, week in and week out like they should have all the primes and games we should make note of this I, I think I was checking out Kevin Clark mentioned I think the NFC East because of how bad it was last year they only got two prime time games yeah and it well the Giants open up on prime time they play I'm talking about divisional games NFC East oh, only got two divisional. divisional games yeah yeah 
and one of it's what, I believe Philly and Dallas, which is which is wouldn't yeah, want to watch that. That's a great be, game. They play each other week sixteen like they did last year, but this time they're playing in Dallas, mm-hmm. so that might be coming down to the division there. Mm-hmm. Uh, most likely, they're definitely the clear favorites in that division. And then I think I think the Redskins are more favored than the Giants are at like ten to one, and then the Giants come in at twelve to one. But going back to the MVP, you gotta. It's really a um, judgment call on your end whether or not you think a team is going to make the playoffs. So if Allen, you think the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs and I don't, then I shouldn't bet Dak to win the MVP. That's another thing you got to factor with Kyler Murray too. It's like, can you make the playoffs? Because that's why Pat Mahomes is a favorite. That's why Lamar Jackson is a favorite. That's why Rodgers is and Breeze. And I could go on and on. Step one is, you know, it's not – you can't go 6-10 and 10 and win MVP. <laughs> you have to make the playoffs at the bare minimum. Right. Because if you remember in 2012, I don't think if the Vikings were Adrian Pearson or Adrian Pearson over 2000, uh, they need to make they need to beat Green Bay week 17 just to make the playoffs. Yep. I don't think he wins it if they don't make the playoffs because it's just you have to take a winner. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a side note when it comes to betting. The first line of logic should be whether or not you think that team's going to make the playoffs. And then from there, it kind of eliminates. That's why, like, I thought the dumbest bets that you can make last year was anything pro Cleveland. Um, because, I was all in on that, so I can't really defend myself. Yeah, yeah. No, but just in general, like, I'm saying if, you know, the Baker Mayfield hype, the Odell hype, and, you know, people were saying Odell's going to have 2,000 yards in that offense. And it's like, well, all right, let's just let's just see, you know. I just want to point out that I know Eli Manning was shot, but Odell's catch percentage way higher with Easy E than he was with Baker. Say, give that man his flowers to use a wrestling term. Um, I'm I'm interested to see Baker behind the NFL caliber offense line. That's all I'll say about Baker. Fair, I'm gonna, very fair. We got him one more, and with the actual coaching staff, this is Freddie Kitchens sweating way over his head. Last thing I want to talk about the final thing that I always. Well, one of the things I always look for is the bye weeks. Um, And ideally, week 9 and 10 is where you should get your bye week. It's like smack Mm -hmm. in the middle. And we got Bengals, Browns, Rams, Eagles, week 9. And then take a look at the firepower week 10. Cowboys, Chiefs, Chargers, and the Atlanta Falcons, baby. Those are three very good teams and one mediocre team. (laughs) Oh, Dallas is a mediocre team, right? Oh uh, no, dude, Dallas, man. Uh, you look at that roster, it's hard not to get excited. I'm worried about their defense, man. If I'm if I'm pro if I'm pro Dallas. If Van Der Esch gets injured, yeah. And uh, I know secondary is uh, concerns. You know, it's gonna be a team where they gotta put up 30 and they might give up 30. I think I think that's a little bit overreaction. Like that D-line, they build pretty nicely. Sure, but you know, they lose Robert Quinn. That's a big loss for them. I know they get Gerald McCoy in, but different style defensive lineman. I don't know. Most, I would just... You got him. You got... They brought Poe in. They, I, Randy Gregory's making his eighth comeback. I don't want to believe Come on, it. man. You're not going to sell me on Randy Gregory. <laughs> Who's that? They got another edge rusher. I'm trying to remember. They got one in the up. draft from Oklahoma. They got... They got uh, Tra- uh, Travon Diggs from Bama. Second round pick on a corner. A lot of people had him in the first round, so that might improve it. But 
Yeah, I'm just I, I just think their defense is is gonna be oh. the weakness of their team. No, this is coming back that we forgot. Alden Smith is making his return. Oh, okay. So you gave me Alden Smith and Randy Gregory. Enjoy that. Enjoy that, Dallas. Dude, Dallas, they just got to bring back uh, David Irving. So David Irving has to stop smoking and go on these 20-minute rants. And they're just uh, – I just love how Dallas is the land of opportunity. Everyone says Oakland's the bad boy team. Look at Dallas, man. Oh, man, Alden Smith. Alden Smith, they don't even know what to say at this point. Apparently, but, the Atlanta I know, Falcons – the Falcons have the hardest road schedule of any team based on wins from last season. And checking in at number two, the New York Giants. So me and Alan, our season will be done by Halloween. <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to talking about good football in November. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But, so uh, last thing I want to end on, man. Um, what do you think happens with the NFL? Do you think it starts in September or what? No one could give a real definitive answer, but... Yeah, I, just, I think we just have to wait till like July and August because right now it's just, you know, they're having these uh, Zoom meetings. They're having, uh, uh, I know the rookies are kind of doing their own thing right now. Like you see teams having like 25, I think there's like 25 rookies in like one class because you also have the undrafted rookies coming in. Right. So they're doing their own thing there. But I guess when we see come July, what, if there could be any sort of training camp because if there's no training camp, then you can really see because you need to have that training camp. You need to get the rosters down. Like there needs to be some sort of process. You can't just go straight into season without a training camp or preseason. It needs to be at least three, four weeks. So uh, I think we're going to have to see come July. But yeah, I can't, it's just, I can't really make a prediction because I just don't have any sort of real information. I don't think really anyone because I think we're just going to have to wait until July and see where training camp is because that's where. It begins, but it wouldn't surprise me if the season started in October. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it's really out of our hands what's going on. I know some states are different, like you see Florida's opening and Arizona's opening, but these other states, like go to California, and that's one of the hotbeds of football. Like, so, uh, there needs to be some sort of consensus agreement. Yeah. Um, look, the NBA went on hold, and the NBA is probably bigger than the NFL on a, from a global perspective because it's in more countries. So, yeah, man. The issue is just training camp. Training camp is such a big deal. Like you yeah. have – like, obviously, you're not going to have fans there regardless, but still, you just have so many people on one field because you only have just players and coaches, but you also have you know, equipment team and the, the Gatorade boys and all that. Like, it's just so much that goes – like, have you ever been to, like, a Giants or Jets training camp? I haven't, actually. Okay, training camp's crazy. I used to go to Jets training camp in Austria, and there's just so much going on there. That's why it's, they're going to be real cautious on what they do. Maybe they all just go inside domes and do their thing there. But I don't know. They, they got to figure out some sort of strategy. All right, guys. There you have it. Um, be on the lookout for Monday. We got Last Dance finale. I'm going to have a, a very interesting panel of guests um thank you all for supporting the show big shout outs to christopher velasquez daniel gibson Derek Pleates, Corey johnson hoops ryan pisner and nick chavez the members of the patreon please every single member of the patreon i and the show appreciate your contributions dm us or send us an email whether it's the show or, or whatnot, your address. Going to be sending out some stuff to all the members of the Patreon because we haven't been able to 
give you exactly what you've been entitled to due to the certain circumstances that we've been dealt. So as a token of my appreciation, you'll be getting some merch or something. You'll be getting some stuff. As far as I go, it's at the Lamb Show at Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. And Alan, where can they find you? Alan underscore Stark. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. We'll catch you guys next time. Baby. Can't let it drop and me spill. Clogging the lane, I'm filling the stream. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it.